So I'm wondering how, how well does everyone know the story of Philemon? Uh, Philemon. <clears throat> Philemon is, the, is a guy, the person to whom the letter Philemon in the Bible is addressed. And the story is Philemon, I guess, was fairly well off, like the church met in his house. And I'm pretty sure this is the church in uh, Colossae, I want to say. Um, and uh, so they actually had the church meeting in his house, which means he had a pretty big house, I think. And he had a slave. The slave's name is Onesimus. Onesimus ran away, which uh, that is actually a crime. And it's uh, the way slavery worked in the days of the ancient Roman Empire. Uh, if they ever catch him, he's absolutely at the mercy of his master, even to the point of death. In fact, slaves were always at the mercy of their master, even to the point of death, even if they didn't commit this crime, but it was a pretty serious thing. Well, Onesimus ran away. He ran all the way to Rome. And uh, I don't know if you know where Colossae is. It's in modern Turkey. And, uh, uh, you know, from there to Rome is a good long ways. <clears throat> um, the length of Italy, yeah, all the way down, right? Halfway plus, yeah, uh, you're only about halfway there when, when you get to Italy. Uh, but, um, so uh, in Rome, he met the Apostle Paul. Well, if you met the Apostle Paul, you were going to hear the gospel. And so he hears the gospel and he receives Christ. And then at some point along the, in the process, Paul learns about who he is and where he's from and how he came to be in Rome. So the letter of Philemon uh, is Paul, Paul's letter to this guy he knows, Philemon, who happened to be the owner of Onesimus. And this letter, he's sending Onesimus back to Philemon. Uh, and this letter goes with him. And the basic point of the letter is, uh, Philemon, I'd like you to stop thinking of Onesimus as a slave and start thinking of Onesimus as a brother in Christ, since that's what he is now. Um, so it's pretty bold, though. Onesimus, I guess, feels like this is the right thing to do. I mean, he has to volunteer for this mission. Uh, and so that's what we're reading uh, in this letter. Uh, mm -hmm. did, did Paul know Philemon? Yes. Yeah. Which you can tell by reading this letter. Yeah. 
Uh, now it's, I'm not sure. Well, I say yes, though. I'm not sure whether they've ever met in person or not, but I think they have. Because at the end of the letter, well, we can just read the whole thing. It's pretty short. To Philemon, our beloved brother and fellow worker, Afia, our sister, that's Philemon's wife, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, that's Philemon's son, and to the church in your house, Grace to you and peace from our God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. For I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, by the way, it's interesting to notice that the name Onesimus means useful. <laughs> so this is a play on words here. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful to both you and to me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart, whom I wish to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. Uh, but without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be in effect by compulsion, but of your own free will. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while, that you would have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? Then, if then you regard me as a partner, accept him as you would me. But if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it. Not to mention to you that you owe to me even your own self as well. <laughs> So that people, and the word translated self here is like soul. Uh, so people take that to mean that Paul was instrumental in Philemon coming to Christ in the first place. Yes, brother, let me benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you since I know that you will do even more than what I say. At the same time, also prepare for me a lodging, for I hope that through your prayers I will be given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now this happened when he was imprisoned in Rome, Paul. Yeah. And yeah. probably never got out. Uh, 
this might be the time he got out. I, I don't know for sure the answer to your question. So, uh, so that's the story. I would think Philemon reading that, he'd have no choice but to accept this guy back. Well, and the way Paul describes him, he's not going to have any problem with this proposal, which I think we'll see. Um, so, my opening question on your handout is, how good is it to hang out with you? Who, who, who are we talking about? You. <laughs> how, how good is it to hang out with you? That's the question. Would you describe yourself? Here's another way of asking the question. Would you describe yourself as a refreshing person? In other words, when people hang out with you for a while, do they go away feeling encouraged? Uh, well, here's another question. It's a distinct question from that one. Have you ever had to ask someone for something you had no reason to expect or they had no obligation to give you? That's, that's going on here. Paul's asking Philemon. Now, Paul's saying, yeah, you might have an obligation, but I'm not asking you out of obligation. So he's kind of letting Philemon off the hook if Philemon needs to be off the hook. But kind of and kind of not. <laughs> okay. Well, in the middle of this letter, he, Paul describes how he's praying for Philemon. This starts in verse 4. He says, I thank my God always and Maybe a good translation of this would be, when I remember you in my prayers. I don't know what you guys, the translation you guys are reading is different from the one I'm using. I thank my God always making mention of you in my prayers. The word making mention is a word for remembering. So uh, what Paul is doing is he's, th he's giving thanks and praying. And then he says, the reason why. So I have this question on the handout. What motivates Paul's thanksgiving and prayer for Philemon? He says, well, because I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So Paul has heard what kind of guy Philemon is. And I think it's an interesting question to ask. How would Paul have heard that? The most likely way Paul would have heard that is from Onesimus, who Paul has discipled and who has now been sort of serving Paul. And now they've had occasion to talk about Philemon and what Philemon does, apparently, is loving out of faith. Reminds me of that verse in Galatians. The thing that matters is, is faith working through love. So uh, that's what motivates Paul's prayer. He's heard about Philemon. Philemon is loving and faithful. 
So here we get to it. The, what's, the, what's the central prayer request? And I'm using the translation I'm using because I like the way they phrase this. And this is a tricky sentence to translate, apparently. Uh, in verse 6, Paul says, I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. So you guys have another translation which says, someone read it to me, verse 6. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective with okay. the full knowledge of every good thing yeah. in us for the sake of Christ. Yeah. Why did they say us? Because that's not what it says. Well, anyway, the that phrase, the, that way of translating, I think, can be confusing. The sharing of your faith, because that's an expression we use for witnessing. And in fact, this verse gets quoted really out of context a lot in order to refer to witnessing. What word is yours? <clears throat> Fellowship. I pray that this is the New American Standard. I pray that the fellowship of your faith. Well, the word here is koinonia, which is a big word. It means a lot of things. It's the word for fellowship, which it's the word for fellowship because fellowship is a type of sharing. So the root of this word is sharing. <clears throat> but he's not, take, he's not talking about taking some faith and sharing it with another person. He's talking about the fellowship that we have in the faith. Um, so that's why I prefer this translation. And he's saying the fellowship of your faith may become effective. Which means I pray that the fellowship of your faith will work. It's actually the word here is like the word ergon. It's the word for work for energy, for uh, activity. So another way of translating this would become active. Uh, this text is about the priority of fellowship. And the, the concept of the fellowship of the church is present in this text from the very opening lines where the church is meeting in Philemon's house. And the letters address not only to Philemon, but also to his family and also to the church that meets in their house, even though the letter is clearly primarily aimed at Philemon. So the fellowship of your faith is about the fellowship that Philemon exhibits in his life and that Paul is about to challenge Philemon's fellowshipping capacities. So he's praying for this fellowship that Philemon exhibits to be active, to be activated by God. How is this going to happen? through the knowledge of every good thing which is in you for Christ's sake. That's a big deal. That's a big thing. For all the good in you for Christ. That's a more literal translation. 
And the word for knowledge here is the word epinosis, which is sort of like full-on knowledge, experiential understanding. Uh, so what Paul's praying for here is that Philemon will be really getting in touch with how blessed he is in Christ and what the nature of the blessings are. This reminded me of Ephesians 1.3 where we're told that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places or 2 Peter chapter 1 where God has given us uh, everything we need for life and godliness. You know, it's this sort of comprehensive blessing and so Paul's saying your, your capacity for sharing, for fellowship in the body is, comes from your really grasping how well, you, how well blessed you are. Every good thing. And I think uh, maybe we could even say the specific things that apply in the specific situation. This epinosis means something like you really know the toolbox. Like you understand that this is the wrench you need for this job and you know where it is. And so Paul's saying, look, there's a sort of a, you could call it a self-awareness, but it's a, it's a Christ-centered self-awareness that enables us to be effective in our fellowship. <clears throat> oh, so he's saying you're going to be effective in your fellowship by tapping the fellowship resources that a person has in Christ. This reminds me of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, these are relational words, love, joy, peace, patience. Patience is a fellowship resource, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. So a uh, effective fellowshipping person is true and reliable. Gentleness, self-control. Now, I, if I imagine myself in Philemon's situation where I'm the boss and somebody who works for me has wronged me in a rather dramatic way, <clears throat> I can imagine the need for some self-control in dealing with that person. So the, uh, this just, I mean, that's not a comprehensive list of the fellowshipping resources that we have in Christ, but it sounded like a good list to me, at least as a starting point. So if I understand that I possess that sort of resource by the presence of the Spirit in my life, then that knowledge enables me to be effective in my fellowship with other people. So Paul is going to ask... Philemon to release Onesimus from his legal obligations and welcome him back as a brother and not as a slave. We never know what an 
us of us did. We don't, we don't find it out here. I, I think we sort of assume he must have, you know, the way Paul describes him, he's the kind of guy that would do this. Uh, but yeah, we don't know. It's interesting that Paul did not make a request right up front. He first embellishes this prayer and um, asking Philemon to think about, you know, how you share your right. faith, how you how you live your faith in a way that it becomes effective for others. Right. Uh, and for every good thing that is in, here it says us, but in yours it says you. Yeah, in the text it says you. I don't know why they say us there. I, yeah. That's bizarre to me. Uh, but he's seeing the full knowledge of every good thing that is in you. Normally we don't think of ourselves as having good things within us. But it says, for the sake of Christ. Mm-hmm. But he's certainly appealing to his good side, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he's gonna, he, what he's doing, I think, is grounding his appeal in Philemon's real Christian faith and love. That's where he started, right? Yeah. I know your faith is real. I know your love for the saints is real. Yeah. When Onesimus left, he wasn't one of the saints. Now he is. Right. So, uh... Maybe Paul knows exactly why he left, but he's not telling us on purpose. It could be. (laughs) Yeah. I think think it's probably a safe assumption that he knows. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's that's his appeal... Now, he gives a basis for his confidence that this appeal will be effective and that Philemon's fellowship will be effective in exactly the way he's praying for. And we see that in the next verse. He says, I have come to have much joy and comfort in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. That is a, a really significant statement. So Paul's saying, I've gotten a good deal of joy, and this uses the word comfort. This is the word paraclesis, the word for encouragement. It's the word, the, the name for the Holy Spirit, paraclesis, the comforter or the counselor. Uh, the word is a word could be translated encouragement or in its verb form can be everything from a hug to a swift kick. It's a, it's a motivating exhortation. <clears throat> so what Paul's saying is I've received and he's received this indirectly, right? Because the joy and comfort he's received from the love of Onesimus is love that Onesimus has shared with other people. Yeah. Which maybe is kind of why the church is meeting in his house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's a hospitable person. Uh, and so he's saying, you know, I'm, I've been encouraged just knowing about you, even if we were to assume Paul doesn't know him directly, but I think he probably did. Uh, 
the hearts of the saints have been refreshed. That, whoa, that is, the word heart here is actually the word for guts. It's, it's not cardia, the word for the heart with which we believe. It's, word, it's the word for the heart with which we feel. It's the word we would use for a compassionate response. Uh, <clears throat> so what he's saying here is uh, uh, Philemon is a person, is a refreshing person. That's why I asked that question to begin with. Philemon is an emotionally refreshing person. The hearts of the saint, that word refreshed just literally means rested and restored. <laughs> so apparently what Paul's saying about Philemon here is hanging out with Philemon was really good. You would just enjoy being with him and being with him, you would go away from being with him feeling uplifted. Um, and so uh, he says the hearts of the, the affections of the saints have been refreshed through you. It's his emotional R&R that Philemon is apparently good at. I've, I think we probably all know people we would think of in this way. Like, I just like being with them. And when I spend time with them, it's like getting a good nap. And not because they're boring, but because they're refreshing. Uh, I just feel better. I feel encouraged. The word for joy here, I've come to have much joy, is the word kara, which is related to the word for grace. In other words, it's the sort of joy you get having received grace. <clears throat> so uh, I think we would infer from this that Paul uh, regards Philemon as a generous, hospitable, genuinely loving person. And it's on that basis that he's willing to send Onesimus back. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, because he goes on, you know, as we read later in the letter, to talk about how Onesimus has been extremely helpful to Paul personally. But he's sending him back because he says, I don't want to, I don't want Philemon to have anything against me. Here I am, you know, harboring his runaway servant. So, uh, you know, it's interesting because I can think of somebody that's exactly the opposite. Sometimes it helps you to look at the opposite. Uh, One of our customers, very successful, a seven-degree customer, very successful guy. In, the, in, in terms of making money, mm -hmm. uh, ran a company that was making like K-cups and stuff, and there was no end of the expansion of his business. So in the end, what he did was he, and he, had the, he had to have the biggest private airplane hangar in Milwaukee. He wasn't satisfied until his hangar was the biggest. Mm -hmm. Outside of his hangar were little brick uh, garages that you couldn't see in or out of, and in there he kept his Ferraris and all of his cars, but he wouldn't let anybody see him because if any of his employees saw him driving his Ferrari, that'd be a problem. But being around the guy, 
All he could talk about was his exploits, his success, his next thing he's going to do, his Ferrari, which he would have. When he came over like to my son's house, all the other cars would be parked in the driveway, but his Ferrari would be distanced from them very carefully <laughs> and parked in a way that it's ready for a test drive. If anyone would like to go in, and he would drive them around. And so the guy was so full of himself that I just didn't want to be around him. It was just a drag hanging out with him. Yeah. <laughs> and if you tried to change the subject to anything else, like what are we going to have for dinner or, the, you know, anything else, he would be quiet or change the subject back to himself. And my takeaway from that is this guy is a very miserable person really inside and he's using all of this stuff to cover that. Try to feel better. And Some sort of antidepressant. Yeah, he just felt bad sitting there with it. Whereas in this case, this guy I would think would be very interested in whoever is coming mm -hmm. into his house and, mm -hmm. and accept them. Yeah, that's a very, that's, a, that's an important aspect of effective fellowship, isn't it? A person who is sort of unconditionally accepting toward others. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're given to releasing other people from their obligations. They're not demanding. Uh, and so a person is a restful person to be around if it's not hard work to be around them. Mm -hmm. If it, it's restful to be around them, that means they're not a burdensome conversationalist right. like this guy, you know, yes. they're, they're easy and they, they let other people determine the subject right. and, you know. We could go on and on about how we would describe such a person. And a person is, like that is refreshing to be around, emotionally regenerative. And they'd be generally interested in one of the other persons. Yeah, I mean, I guess some people might fake this, but... And it might be a good thing to fake until you can do it for real. Uh, I mean, for real. You know, to work, to... To behave this way, even if you weren't kind of totally like, genuine in behaving this way. If you're in a bad mood, start smiling, pretty soon you'll be in a good mood, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's true. It's true. Well, and this guy was like that. Paul in Rome feels encouraged to hear from the guy who did Philemon wrong, what a generous person. Philemon is. <clears throat> and to hear about the church operating in his house, you know. When you're translating, are you translating from which language? Oh, well, the original text here is in the Greek. It's in Greek, okay. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't know because he's in Rome and this is in Turkey. I didn't know if it's Hebrew, Greek, Latin, or whatever. Okay. No, every, well, in this period of history, everyone in the Mediterranean, Greek was the common... Okay. Language, so almost I think all of the New Testament, with the possible exception of Matthew, was originally written in this 
common Greek, they call it Koine Greek, and Koine literally means common, meaning the it's the language that everyone speaks. Kind of like English today. Sort of. Kind of like English today, yeah. Even more so, I think. At least in the Mediterranean world. Christ, but Christ did not speak in Greek, didn't he? I think Christ probably could have could speak in Greek because every adult person in the whole realm could speak Greek. But the common language in Palestine in the day in this age was Aramaic. Yeah. And some people believe Matthew was originally written in Aramaic. But the uh, the rest I don't know that we have Aramaic texts like manuscripts for the book of Matthew. So even Matthew is uh, like the New Testament original text is in Greek. Uh, the Sea so, Scrolls are all in Greek? Sorry? The Sea Scrolls? The Dead Sea Scrolls are Hebrew. Oh, those are Hebrew, okay. Yeah, because that's a that's the Old Testament. So, oh, okay. um, oh that was okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And so the Old Testament, with the possible exception of the book of Daniel, I believe, was entirely written in Hebrew. The, the ancient manuscripts that we have now. And there's no reason to think they weren't always in Hebrew. Um, so Paul uh, is encouraged that Philemon is the sort of person that he is, and he's praying that something Philemon possesses, that is effective fellowship, will grow, will continue and grow. So his prayer is sort of aimed at, I know it's, it's kind of, I read it kind of like this, like, I know Philemon that I'm about to throw something into your (laughs) basket that might be challenging. So I'm praying that the character you already possess will, will rise to the occasion. Um, and he's, I think Paul's very confident that, I mean, he says so, uh, that Philemon will respond in the way he's asking. Well, he puts a couple singers in there. Yeah, he said, I like, could demand it. Like the next verse, yeah. Yeah, I could demand it. I'm, he's the apostle. He has right. authority in the life of the church. So he could say, it, but he's, he says, I could do that, but I'm not doing that. I'm appealing to you. And you can understand why, because if Onesimus, if Paul just orders Onesimus to do this, it couldn't, it could be, it could lack genuineness. So Paul, I can imagine Paul's logic to say, well, that would kind of miss the point. So demanding it is not the right way to go here. It's the the best outcome is for Philemon to receive Onesimus as a, as a brother in Christ into the fellowship of the church and to release him from the, the legal obligations that he has. But his appeal here to me seems very Christian in that I've always thought of it in terms of Satan is pushing, like power over. Right. Forcing, pushing, right. This, whereas the Holy Spirit is leading. Well, and this is leading. 
This is Paul not lording. Right, exactly. It's too bad that he didn't write chapter 2 of Philemon and say, and this is what really happened after that. <laughs> apparently, apparently the Holy Spirit does not agree with you, Bob. Because <laughs> there is no Philemon chapter 2. <laughs> Apparently, but remaining. It interesting to see. It, it, how, it, how it how will. even read this thing and push this guy and, away. I mean, come on. Well, well you know, when and, Paul wrote, when Paul wrote, he's not he, the, he knew that he had yeah. a deal wrapped up anyway. And Philemon's not the kind of guy that will do that. Correct. Which avenue was he going to take the real hard ball or the easy one? No, well, he, clinch, he clinches it with verse 15, though. That's, mm. that's the clincher for me. <laughs> the reason all this happened was that you could be brothers in Christ. Exactly. Isn't that cool? Right. Yeah. And, and Onesimus, having come to Christ, he, this is how Paul describes uh, Onesimus. Like, he's become a servant to me. Like, he's helped me in this really hard time of my own life, he says, I wish to keep him with me so that on your behalf, he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. In other words, Onesimus working for Paul is kind of like Philemon working for Paul. Since Onesimus, you know, he's saying he's become a different guy. So Onesimus, and I think this is evident also in the fact that Onesimus returns. You know, he's not, he's not saying, no way, I'm not going back. He goes back. So Onesimus is recognizing his obligation to Philemon, uh, even when he returns. I think, uh, this is uh, speculative, but I think Onesimus would have returned to a position of slave in Philemon's house, if that's what was required of him. At this point, but what, that's in chapter two, which we don't yeah. have. Uh, they let the Holy Spirit that got right lost. Uh, chapter two got lost. Yeah. yeah so it was uh, So yeah. Uh, so he's praying that uh, Philemon's fellowship will be effective, and he has in mind a particular effect. Right. So here's the thing: God's grace is. Ref- God's grace reflected is not demanding. Well, how demanding is God's grace of us? Not at all. It's the release from obligation, isn't it? It's the, it's the, it's God himself absorbing our obligation to him in the cross. And so releasing us and Curiously, this generates in us a desire to obey God. The fact that we've been released from the legal obligation to obey God generates in us a desire to obey God. Out of loving fellowship, not out of, uh, not, not under threat. And so this kind of grace shares any resource. That's fellowship. 
One of the things we can gain from this in the life of the church is that fellowship is fairly comprehensive. Fellowship is not just hanging out, enjoying a nice breakfast together. Fellowship is uh, a generous spirit with all of our resources, a uh, family life sharing of whatever. Somebody needs something, I have it, sure, no problem. Um, and so the, the very nature of fellowship is the nature of generosity, of sharing. Um, so, uh, that's sort of letting go of rights. Like in this case, by the way, Philemon was one of those books of the, was maybe the book of the New Testament that those who uh, work to abolish slavery used most effectively, which is kind of interesting because mm -hmm. here you have Paul sort of respecting the legal structure that has slavery in it <laughs> and yet appealing yeah. on another basis for the release of a slave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not because it's, it's Philemon's legal obligation, but in spite of the fact that he has no such obligation. It's on the basis of a spiritual uh, appeal that he asks Philemon to release Onesimus. So this kind of refreshing fellowship is undemanding. It doesn't need to insist on anything. Like your example, Rick, the guy is kind of insisting on talking about himself all the time. And refreshing fellowship is open. It's not, it's honest. It's not going to lie to you about, it's not going to tell you you're okay when you're not okay. But it's also undemanding. If you're not okay, that's okay with me. You don't need to be okay to be my friend. You don't have to have all your problems solved before we will accept you. Uh, and this is the sort of grace we've received from God in Christ. And so it's the sort of grace we are called upon to reflect in the body, in the fellowship of the church. So here's something we really need. The thing Paul prays for here is emotionally restorative fellowship. The gracious sharing of love and faith that comes from knowing what God has freely given us in Christ. The fellowship that produces joy and real encouragement. So you could, uh, we could sort of oversimplify this to mean something shallow something that's accepting on a shallow basis but this this is real joy real encouragement the situation that Philemon faces in the fellowship that he's going to extend to Onesimus is not shallow it's not oh well no sin has no wrong has been done no it's not ignoring problems. 
It's extending grace into the problem. It's bearing cost that belongs to another person. <clears throat> it's not trying to pretend that there is no such cost. So that, to me, that's something we really need in the fellowship of the church is this kind of emotionally restoring fellowship where because I understand what God has given me, that's kind of the key here is in that statement, in the, in the real knowledge of all the good things you possess in Christ. How do I, how can I be a generous person? By recognizing how well off I am. To, to know that whatever resource I need, I have in Christ. To think, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy. Well, those are all things I've received already in the Spirit. So I do have them. So I can share them. And I can't share them, I can't run out of them by sharing them. <clears throat> and this can even extend then into things I might run out of by sharing. Because I know that the scripture says in Christ I have everything that God will provide <clears throat> for all my needs so I can even you know give away all my money and I'll still be okay. I can run out of money by sharing it. Uh, it doesn't. It turns out it doesn't work that way. So uh, God provides. And out of God, if I recognize God's provision in my own life, this transforms me into a generous person. Because I also, when I recognize God's provision, I also recognize God's possession. So what I'm sharing really belongs to him anyway. So uh, anyway, uh, so this is the, the thing that we really need that we should pray for. And we always want to come at the end of this when we're talking about these prayers to remember that this is a prayer. <laughs> Paul is not asking Philemon to provide for the what he's asking Philemon to give. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, Paul is talking to God before he's talking to Philemon. So he's saying, Philemon, I am asking you, but on the basis of this comes from God, not you. And he recognizes that Philemon already but, uh, gets out. Acknowledging his, his, his abilities, right? Not abilities, but um, his character. Yeah. But also as a thing provided by his love for Christ, right? Philemon is the way he is because he loves Christ and he loves the people of God. God, yeah. Right. So it's all very fitting, I guess you'd say. Hmm. So, there you have it. The interesting thing is, uh, 
this point drive me. Uh, this is perhaps why he parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, mm-hmm. you know, as a brother, not as a slave, but as a brother. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thought. Yeah. But the, but the other thing Paul does is, he's, uh, if he's wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge it to my account. Yeah. I will uh, yeah. this with my own hand, I will repay it. It's like he's signing a note. He is. <laughs> So he's, he's trying to, I mean... Paul he is exhibiting the thing he's asking for, isn't absolutely, he? Absolutely, yeah. He's got such grace for the guy that put it on my account that reminds you of Christ himself. Mm-hmm. You know? So Paul is putting his money where his mouth is and he's being genuine to the point of, you know, I'm writing this with my own hand and I will repay it. It's a... Uh, to say nothing of you going... <laughs> nothing of, of your owing even me your own self your own soul right. <laughs> right I mean like you wouldn't you wouldn't be in Christ except for me right is what that says right um the last part is kind of cool too like in 23 where he is in a subtle way, asking for funny men to pray for him to get out of prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Through your prayers. Yeah, it is. Yeah. By the way, I'm stuck here. <laughs> pray for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to come and see you, but. Yeah. yeah. And he was in Rome, prison in Rome. Mm-hmm. So this letter would have been written at the same time as uh, Ephesians and Colossians. So the the same, it's you know this letter is delivered uh, along with those letters. Uh, you know, it's interesting by being in prison, which is never good. It, it, it caused Paul to write this stuff down to those churches for our benefit, even their benefit, yeah. and ours. Because he would have, he probably would have said this in person, but here he could think mm-hmm. about it and write it down so that. Well, it's, a, it's interesting, and this isn't the only case, obviously, that we have these letters that were written to individuals. Um, now, this letter is addressed to Philemon, his family, and the church. Uh, the, but we also have First and Second Timothy, Titus. These are letters that were written to individual people. Um, and yet also written to the church. The, and when I say written to the church, I don't just mean the church that first received them. Because they were written to the whole church from the Lord, so for for me it's a it's a good question to say why is this in the Bible? Why is this very personal? This is a personal note, and Paul's making a personal appeal to a guy who's a friend of his on the part of another friend of his. Uh, you know, it's in some sense kind of conducting some business 
Why is it in the Bible? Well, for the reason we're discussing, which is what Paul prays for Philemon is something we all need. And for the church to recognize the necessity of effective fellowship, of refreshing one another in generous fellowship. Even when we do each other wrong. Maybe especially. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. And when I'm the one who has been done wrong is when that really gets hard. When people aren't giving me what they owe me, then, uh, so maybe we could talk about this in the fellowship of the church, when other people aren't exhibiting this, then this is when I really need to pray this prayer that the Lord will make me so aware of what he has given to me in Christ that I remain generous even when people aren't generous toward me. Yeah, that's what Jesus said, I think. Even the Gentiles do that. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, we were talking around it, but <clears throat> what were the chances of Onesimus going back without that letter? I, if Onesimus had never met Paul, he was gone for good, I'm that's sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Onesimus. even after that, I don't know that he would have gone back without Paul saying, I'm going to give you safety, I'm going to give you because how hard would it be meeting the Nationals halfway down to take a letter away from him? You couldn't get that letter away from him because that was his insurance to get in there. And when it says something about Paul cared about him enough to take the time. Say, yeah, I'll, I'll send a note. I, you know, I think the decision for Onesimus to go back was must have been a decision he arrived at in conversation with Paul. Like, I don't the know, two of them together decided I, 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 I he would go back. Two, two together made his decision. Yeah. I don't think he would have made it by himself. Well, it was the right thing to do. Otherwise, not. he's a marked man. I mean, he's, he could be struck down. Looking over his shoulder. All the time. Yeah, but he, he considered that when he left. But you have yeah, to what's happening. Maybe. I see Paul here as a, a peacemaker. He, he's, he's getting into the relationship and he's trying to bring it home to a peaceful conclusion. Restorative, restoring mm -hmm. something that was a riff. Yeah. He did a good job. He did a great job. He just missed chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know why he left, but after reading Paul, he became convicted. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's right. With Paul's help. Probably. He, he did the right thing. I mean, they didn't have to put him in handcuffs and haul him back. Yeah. He went back. He's yeah. So. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's all we got, guys. <clears throat> Let me. Uh, can can we pray and turn off the recording before we talk about one other thing? Yeah.
Let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, this time together. We thank you for the fellowship of the body of Christ. Lord, we pray this prayer for ourselves, Lord, that uh, you would make the fellowship of our faith effective, that we would become the same sort of generous person that Paul was, that uh, Philemon was, and uh, Lord, that uh, Christ was especially because we know uh, what we possess in Christ, we are free to be giving people. And we pray that other people would be refreshed by being around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.